0: to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with way, go to the way T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code heel squad for 15% off any product. That's the way T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code Heal squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hey everybody. Today I'm talking with Sage and Serena Dyer all about their journey through uh, losing their dad, but gaining their spiritual dad in another place, right? Like someone told me never to say that I lost my mom because she's still here. So I always have to amend that, um, how to kind of tap in and connect with your loved ones, how to understand the signs and ask for them. What else ladies?
1: Yeah. I like to say lost my dad in the physical, just to add what you said, it changed the vernacular to that because I think it just changes your whole mindset. We lost him in the physical, but he's still with us here. His love we'll we'll never leave it could never go anywhere um so we talk a lot about that today as well
2: yeah and don't forget to subscribe
0: we talk about so much if you guys have lost someone or you know someone who's lost someone you must listen and we're doing a two-parter so listen to both episodes Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. So if you listened to yesterday's episode, this is part two of my conversation with Sage and Serena Dyer. Of course, they lost their dad, Wayne Dyer, suddenly, and we've been having the most amazing conversation about um, the passing of their dad and how they Um, gained a new relationship with him from the other realm and how they've been communicating with him and the signs and so much. I mean, really this, this was my kind of deepest conversation in a long time. And I'm really, really grateful that we had the time. This was the first time I didn't have, I didn't purposely schedule something right after so that I could give a little leeway if we needed a little bit more time. So I'm really grateful that they too had the time, and so let's just get right back into it.
2: I think for people that lose somebody unexpectedly or out of the blue, and it's like one minute your life is flowing, and the next minute you get a call, and everything is knocked off course. Totally I different. It can become, yeah, mm-hmm. very different, and very difficult to feel as though there was purpose behind their passing. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that you get to tie up the loose ends. You know, there's yep. there's something about that getting to have those conversations. But what I would say to anybody who didn't get to have those conversations is have them now. Yep. Yeah. You know, talk to your loved ones; they're listening. It's cathartic for you. Write them a letter. You know, um, that's I had to do some of that, and and it and it helps. It really does. Take you know, the time, say what you would want to say,
0: whether they're alive or dead.
1: Yes, yes,
0: absolutely. You know what I mean? I think what happens when people are alive, it's awkward. I think Mm -hmm. it's so awkward to tell and share our truest feelings with people when they're alive. And I don't know why, um, you know, it's such a weird thing. I remember when my parents got COVID, my mom got COVID. I had just landed to surprise her and found out as the text messages were rolling in that she was rushed to the hospital and responsive. Um, and I made it to the parking lot of the the hospital and I saw my dad. Now I'm pretty sure he's probably going to have it too. Cause he's with her and I hugged him and I instantly started just telling him everything I felt about him, even though I know he knows, I just said everything. And he's like, Maria, you think I don't know? And I go, no, <laughs> but I have to say everything right now. Cause you might be next within seconds. You might be in there. And I, I just can't because that was when you couldn't even visit people. And it was like horrible so just have the conversations and just you can even start out by saying, This is gonna really be this awkward. This is awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll, I remember when sorry I interrupt no, it's okay. you, but in the early days after my dad died, I felt more compelled to do that to the people who were alive in my life. I think something about losing somebody puts you in touch with that mm-hmm. part of yourself that's just like, Who cares about awkwardness? Yeah. You know, I, this life is precious and these are the days of my life today is one day. And eight. who knows, you just don't know. And it, it yeah. totally shifts your perspective on life when you lose somebody. So, you, but if you can get that shift before you lose somebody, I mean, then you're really going to, you're going to benefit so much. You're going to feel uh, like you get to, connect with people more while they're here. You won't lose out on those moments.
0: And a letter is easy. You don't have to do it in person. If you, if you really can't do it in person, just write the letter. (laughs) Right. Exactly. The
2: other thing that, that is so important to remember for those that, that might be listening that have lost somebody is that in every situation that happens in your life, you have a choice to become reduced by the circumstance, by the experience or to become transformed. It is entirely up to you how you respond. You know, our dad used to say um, how other how other people treat you is their karma. How you react is yours. Mm. How do you respond to what is happening in your life that you have no control over? Do you become smaller, angrier, more resentful, bitter, stuck, sad? Or do you do as one of my favorite poems of all time, the Elizabeth Barrett Browning poem says, beautiful people are not born. They are made. Mm. Do you become beautiful? Beautiful through the process of becoming more connected, more loving, more willing to share, more open to other people's differences and less judgmental. That is the choice that you make with every single situation that happens in your life. And I think Mm -hmm. that so often when you go through a situation that is painful and and hard, um, in many ways, it's easier to become bitter and stuck and resentful because of it. Um, But look, I mean, you're not resentful and your mother passed away really, really recently. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you are resentful in secret, but I don't see that. Mm-hmm. I see you as somebody that has chosen to become more beautiful by helping others elevate themselves so that they can connect mm-hmm. So not yeah. just to yeah. on the other side, but to God,
1: to all. Our dad all- also always said you can either be a host to miracles or a hostage to your ego or your circumstances and it's it's kind of goes along with what you're saying Serena it's like your your circumstances don't have to define you you get to choose how you react you know mm-hmm. what's your is this going to am I going to grow from this or am I going to stay stuck? And I think it's just important to ask yourself that whenever you're going through something tough on a daily basis how can I grow from this? How can I grow from this you know because you always can there's always an opportunity for a miracle for growth for change positive change.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when my mom passed, I did an episode and I I really wanted to share with people that grieving is different for everybody and that we need Mm -hmm. to not be judgmental as we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. And, you know, because when my mom passed, I mean, it was almost five years. It was exhausting. I was her caretaker, her quarterback, Um, and from the moment they got COVID, I mean, I had a probably seven month intense caretaking run and anybody who's done it knows that when it's over, you're just mush, you're exhausted. Um, Mm. and I made sure she had a peaceful exit. I kicked everybody out the last week. I said, guys, this is our time now for our family, for just us It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Her, this is our time. Everything was peaceful. The lights were dim. The music was beautiful. We were sharing memories, going down memory lane. We were, you know... I'm always shocked that people don't know how to create a loving, beautiful environment for the ill that are exiting. And so for anybody who's listening, imagine how you treat yourself at a spa. (laughs) You go into a spa, there's a candle, there's soft music. You're trying to relax, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Why don't
0: we do that for people who are sick, whether they're in the hospital or at hospice at home? So I agree. It's, it's, you know, we gave my mom that and we gave that to ourselves. When it came to the funeral, I barely cried. I, first of all, the energy was a little strange. There's people just, people's energy is very powerful. And there was some strange energies in there that I was picking up on and I didn't feel really quite safe. Mm -hmm. And so anybody who would have looked at me could have judged me and said, but she doesn't even cry. Her mom just died.
2: Right. right but you said yourself before that so often it's kind of like the like the funeral and that stuff is for other people anyway
0: mm-hmm. and my you mom know, always said that
1: yeah but you, how beautiful you that before. you gave right. her you had, right and that you could give her that I mean that's so incredible as her daughter that you could put yourself aside and give that to her you know give yourself to her all of you in her final days because um and and like i agree so much there's no prescription for grief mm-hmm. and when somebody is grieving in a way that doesn't resonate with you that's okay mm-hmm. and cuz i remember feeling that too like and if i go out with my friends next weekend and my, you know it's my friends two of my best friends birthdays every, is is that okay is everyone going to be like why is she out mm-hmm. having fun but i wanted to have fun I, I was sad i still had my moments i still you know but i also had moments of joy and I knew that's what my dad would want. So why would I do anything else? It's also okay. If you're not ready to feel joy, both are okay.
0: Exactly. You know, And I
1: think it's just important for us as a society to become open to grief. There aren't just five stages of grief. There are endless <laughs> stages and ways that grief looks yeah. and, and all are acceptable. That's
0: the thing I really like to share with people because, you know, if you look at my Instagram, maybe you don't think that I'm at night looking at videos, looking at photos, that I'm not shedding tears, that I'm not sad. Right. Of course I'm sad. But life does have to move forward. And and I think that, you know, however your grief comes and the way it comes and whatever is, is okay. You're not weird. You're not, not normal. Whatever. Like, I walked around my house for quite some time just... And I have her photo in there and I just be like, Mom, I... Can't believe you're not here. Just an utter and complete shock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you felt that way. And and I know it's just every kind of death is different. I don't know. Sudden, long. I mean, I had advantages that you guys didn't have. Um Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you.
1: But But we also had advantages too, because we had our healthy, our dad was healthy to the day that he died and we got to experience him in his best self, Mm -hmm. you know, so full of life, full of joy. We all spoke to him the day before he died. Um, I think almost, I think he called almost everybody. He had just gone back from Australia. I remember so he reading did this, it. He like, knew. Yeah. Yes. Him and my mom had a long conversation that where they were just wrapping some things up. You know, he said to her in their last conversation, um, I have made amends with everybody in my life except for one person. And he went on to tell her who this one person was. Yeah. <laughs> a, a previous publisher, or literary agent just odd that he would even say that, you know, mm-hmm. part of his soul knew. I mean, we wrote a whole chapter on how his soul knew because his soul knew he mm-hmm. did. He really, But uh, w- I
2: think, I think honestly, that is I read this all the time about how the soul knows like in hindsight, I just read this humans of New York post on Instagram the other day and I Aunt have NG. had this. <laughs> yes. Aunt NG. Yeah. And when his younger sister passed away and how, he had been with her taking care of her. She was a younger sister of 15, 15 years younger than him. He had taken care of her. He had raised her as his, as his daughter, basically her entire life. And she had um, brain tumor uh, and she passed away from that. And how the doctors told him that, you know, he really needed to come to the hospital um, soon because it was going to be, she was, she was getting ready to transition and they could tell and how he was there the entire, he had never not slept there for a year and a half leading up to her death. And, um, but he had gone home to get some stuff and to get some fresh air. And he came back with his friends and he just felt so, so um, overwhelmed in the hospital room that he stepped outside to get some fresh air in the middle of the night, just for like 10 minutes. And when he came back, she She had had gone. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened with my best friend. When I was in the room with her and her brother, as her mom was passing away from uh, a form of uh, bone marrow cancer. And, um, the nurse came in and said that they needed to to change some things on the bed. And um, could we just step out? And it was when we stepped out that she passed. And I've heard this so many times. And I believe that there is a part of the soul that knows maybe for some people, they can't take their last breath in front of their child, or um, they can't do it unless their child's there. Or they can't do it until they've made amends with everybody.
1: Um, well, I think I what think, it says is that it's a choice. Like at a certain point, they choose to let go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so they're they're being so- back into something more beautiful. I think, and, and they choose it.
2: Right, but in this this Humans of New York post, the reason why it stood out to me so much is because that his therapist said to him when he after he lost his sister, the same thing that my best friend's therapist said to her, which was that they couldn't go in front of you. They fought for you, but they needed to go on their own because they couldn't let you down. And I just felt like um, for some people, you know, there's there's so much mystery and fear and, and just profound confusion about how somebody goes or when or why or how could God do this um, if we live in a universe where there's no accidents and how could I lose a child or And I think that there is some part of each and every one of us that comes here with a purpose and our soul agrees to this before we even incarnate in this Mm -hmm. lifetime. And that if we come here for two things, our dad used to always say, we come here as a soul because we want to grow and expand. And when that time is done, we go home. As Ramdas used to always say, we're all just walking each other home. We're all going Mm. home. And I think that if we can remember that, that this is just the limited time in the classroom that we signed up for to grow our own soul and that we come on the right time and we leave on the right time. Um, You will find that Your ability to connect with your loved one, to God, to your purpose, to the part of you that is greater than um, what is limited to your five senses, you will find that when you are able to understand that your soul came here to grow and everyone that's in your life is here to help you grow, whether they were a good influence in your life or not, they came here to help you to grow. you will find so much freedom mm-hmm. and so much beauty if you can just start to think of it as though it's all divinely orchestrated, and there's nothing that you need to do, but just sit back and let it all happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, because I think that we get caught up in I should have done this, I could have done this. What if I would have, you know, done this? What if I would have? fought harder? What if I would have not said this? It's just let it go because where they are now, a, they, they only want us to feel them, to feel their energy. And we can only do that when we go to that place of love.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. My mom kept my
0: saying I'm finally free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, believe I, it. I have to say, I wonder, I mean, listen, I was talking about before you guys jumped on that I start my mornings with your dad or Esther Hicks. I flip between the two and I have for years since I was diagnosed with my tumor and my mom had her tumor. I needed their teachings to just be embedded into my DNA. And so it's been five years at this point of them. Do you feel, and I know you guys wrote this book, obviously, do either of you feel a calling to continue his work even more?
1: Um, For me, I don't, you know, those are such big shoes to step into. Like our dad, you know, he started his career in his thirties. It changed so much throughout his life and into, in his, it started from like purely psychology based teaching to really mostly spiritually based teaching at the end of his life. And, um, I'm not in my seventies, you know, I have to go through those steps that he went through to get to that place. And, and I recognize that. So I don't feel that I want to step into his shoes, but I definitely feel called to his teachings. I feel intimate with his teachings in a way that, you know, nobody else can as his daughters, you know, only his children can only know. And I, and I feel well, like. She's we just can, being modest. Is she, it's
2: I an feel, no,
1: <laughs> no, I feel that we can bring that perspective. And I feel called to do that right now. And I think that will evolve. Is what I'm. Yeah. It was what I'm trying to say. And I and I felt called to to write this book, and and we did it. And I feel called to share it with as many people as I can. And I just want to see where that takes me. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think.
2: Look, I, I think that it's inevitable that when you are raised by very spiritual parents, we had up until today. I mean, up until our present moment, we have marinated in these teachings, and we have been. this type of message and this type of energy. And I think that it's inevitable that Sage and I, Continue some aspect of his work because he had asked both of us at different times to do so. um He asked me to write the book with him about growing up with spiritual parents, and he said, "You know, you're such a good storyteller. You've got to continue telling these stories." And he had had Sage come with him, speak with him on stage in the last few weeks before he passed away, and he was really one. Well, other times also, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and I, I wrote, wrote a book with her as well, mm-hmm. a children's book with her. But about still, it was like yes about the bumps, and I think yes. if he really wanted us. To continue to get this message out there. And I think that he knew that, um, you know, Sage is wise and I'm like a, Sage is like a calm St. Bernard and I'm like (laughs) a yappy chihuahua. (laughs) We make a good team. A good yin and yang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we're just taking it, you know, one day at a time. But, but I think it's inevitable because. Whenever there's a situation that happens in somebody's life, there, especially when somebody loses someone, it's like, I became the death expert without ever wanting to be. Yep. But, yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah. But
1: I think it's because we do have a different perspective because we were raised to have a different perspective. Yeah. And because we're open to talking about this stuff. I think a lot of times when somebody loses somebody, even if it's someone you're very close to, your best friend loses their mom, their dad, whoever, uh, you feel awkward reaching out to them. You know, there's like a hesitation of, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I still experience that, but I have learned to just jump in. dive right in. Yeah.
2: That's them. what I do they too. They want to be,
1: yeah. If you say the wrong thing, they'll get over it. They, what they're going to remember is that you were there for them, mm-hmm. that you called them that because you feel alone when, and people tend to isolate you more. Like they reach out and they send the text or they make that one call, mm-hmm. but you really need, the call every day in those early days. You know, it's so funny people don't
0: know that. Like I, that's another thing I keep sharing (laughs) with people is how to show up for people in these moments because I have so many people over the last couple of months who are like, I didn't want to intrude. I know it was like a tough time. It's like, no asshole. You just didn't want to call. And and no, actually (laughs) you just need something from me now. And that's why you're calling. And now you're bringing up my mom. You (laughs) didn't really care. And so let's just be honest here or yeah. Or you are lame. Sorry. Like that's just, there's just so many different things. But if you really care, you know, you have to put that aside and just show up and be there for somebody. Even if you say right. nothing, show up at their doorstep with some coffee, with some donuts, whatever it is, just right. be there because it is isolating and it is lonely. And I felt that, oh my gosh, I felt that through my mom's whole five-year journey. I had strangers coming in to help me. Where I was like, wait, uh, we have a lot of family
2: um, right. This is people so don't unique. know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I and think I that's... think that's for people. I think one of the most important things that people need to understand when somebody loses a loved one, don't make their name an unmentionable bad word. Don't stop speaking of them. Don't be afraid to say their name. Um, you honor them by speaking of them. By continuing to talk to them, um, and by understanding that they really are just here in another room yeah. where we are all going, mm-hmm. um, and even yeah, though you I, not be able to see them, you 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 have to you
1: have to trust they're here. They're right here. One thought I way. can remember in the, the early days that I would go, you know, someone would be like, they would let's go to dinner, let's get together, and we would do that, and I would start talking about my dad and they would get uncomfortable. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to go there with them because so for somehow this has become about them. And I'm not, these people aren't yeah, bad people. They don't not mean selfish. it. They just don't know what to do. <laughs> but my friends who embraced the stories about my dad and me just telling, it's, it's all joyful. Most yeah. of it, the ones who could embrace that, I would leave those encounters the most healed, you know, with the yeah. most feeling uplifted. And when the ones where I felt like, oh, I can't go there with these people. I felt like, I had to hold it in, you know, and I had to put on some sort of show or happy face to make them more comfortable. And I just say this so that people know if you don't, if you've never experienced Mm -hmm. this, I think that it's just important to embrace the person who passed away and to dive in. And like we were saying, just call them. If they don't answer, just call again. Well, you're not going to, it's not going to hurt on
2: this topic. I I was not going to ask you this, Maria, but because we're on this topic, I feel as though this is coming into my head, not psychic at all but it's so, I can't stop thinking this. So I just, you can edit this out. i am telling you how die. to edit this <laughs> out. You and your mom both had brain tumors. Yeah. Um, and you got yours, your diagnosis after hers, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Just a few months. But your
2: mom, yeah, your mom didn't pass away from the brain tumor.
0: Technically, yes. I mean, it's weird. So she got covid And because the COVID weakened her so much, we couldn't give her treatment for the tumor. So then the tumor grew out of control. So ultimately, it was because she got COVID that she died Mm
2: -hmm.
0: because the tumor was under control. But she did die of the brain tumor just.
2: Right. Because I have such this feeling that she was ready on a soul level to go. Oh, yeah. But wouldn't ever give up that fight. For
0: you. You're 100% right because I <laughs> devoted my five years to keeping her alive. I gave her mm-hmm. as much as I've given my career and my work 10 billion times more. I was I, like, I I'm going to figure this. out how to heal her of this cancer. I'm going to figure out how to have her have a good life. And I was what I was most proud of at the end was that she didn't die because of the brain tumor. She didn't have, I just looked at a video the other day to help another friend through a brain tumor. Um, my mom, I was like, okay, it's, you know, April 20 something, you know, my mom's not, you know, eating anymore or whatever. I'm like, her body's intact. She's peaceful. Like I was so proud that she didn't have one bed sore, not one swollen anything. I, fixed mm-hmm. everything i could i was like nothing else is going to take this woman nothing mm-hmm. so yes you're 100% it right it was outside of I, your
2: control i feel yeah. that so strongly that she wouldn't mm-hmm. have especially because you had a a a brain tumor yeah. that she couldn't go because of that
0: i would have felt like a failure if she died of the brain tumor
2: yes and i Mm -hmm. i felt like she was saying that or felt like my dad was saying you've got to point out (laughs) i keep feeling this thing i'm like i'm not gonna say this this is way too personal i finally got to talk to wayne dyer (laughs) (laughs) feeling like he was saying to me, you've got to point out that um the covid was like a backdoor gift way Yeah, for her to go so Mm -hmm. so that she didn't let you down. Yes. Um, Because she never would have given up that fight. And she was truly a mother to the end, not going from the brain tumor because she wouldn't want you to have thought that you failed. Yeah. And this was something that was beyond your control, but it was still her time to go. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's why she got COVID. um, Yep. Because her soul was ready. I mean, I so strongly believe that. And I think, and I I was told this by a medium friend of mine one time that, Oftentimes, if the soul doesn't go on such and such date, they'll go within three days, three weeks or three months of that date that when the soul is ready to go, they will they will find a way out Mm -hmm. that will be, you know, not very much different from how they were going to go that that basically when the soul is ready, it's ready and that it really wants to be home.
1: Because so many people think about the, well, if I had just been there, you know, especially if your loved one dies suddenly, the way I remember thinking, like, if he had just had this heart attack when we were in Australia sharing a hotel, he would have been with them. I would have been there and I would have called 911 and they would have gotten there. You know, I couldn't let that go at the beginning. I, If it had just happened three or four days earlier, but um, I think what Serena's is saying is so true. It would have just, it needed to happen when it yep. happened. And if it had happened when I was there, he would have found another way out.
0: Yeah, I agree. My mom wanted to go. She wanted to be with her mom. I know it. She, she was so calm. She was not afraid of death. When they told her she had brain cancer, I was on the edge of a bed with her in the hospital. It was just us two. And the doctor told her and she goes, okay. Like she was so wow. calm, but wow. she also trusted she so me. She yeah. trusted me. And so family told me like after my mom died, she was like, oh, she kept saying Maria's got it. Don't worry. We're okay. But I also reached out to Anita Morjani, funny enough for you girls, yeah. because I had interviewed her many times and her story gave me so much peace and I learned so much from it. And the book, I had uttered the words when I got my brain tumor to um, a kinesiologist. He's like, how you doing, kiddo? And I'm like, I'm just dying to be me. And he goes, have you read the book? And I go, what book? <laughs> and then the whole journey wow. kind of started from there. Wow. And wow. so um, I reached out to her because I was living a two lane track. I was like, okay, I am coming to terms with the fact that this appears like my mom's life is ending. So I'm not delusional. I know that she's slipping away, that this is the trajectory. However, to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with way, go to the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel squad for 15% off any product. That's the way T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code Heel squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm going to hold space for a miracle because she's been a miracle at every juncture. And I really, really believed that if anybody had a shot at a miracle, it was her. I'm like, we can do this. We can do this. And so I would tell her all the time, Mom, I don't know what's happening, but I know if anyone's going to get the miracle, it's going to be you. So, you know, I was just, let's just stay in a positive mode. And what I'll say is, just like when you were saying earlier that you were a skeptic and you didn't know if you believed, I think it is so much better for us to believe in the realm of possibilities, in Mm -hmm. the... In the fact that there are things that could happen, um, just to believe in 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 higher things because it makes the journey easier and it makes the journey better, and um and so for me I was like okay I'm gonna kind of be a guinea pig here because I'm really really unless the until the fat lady sings I am not going to give up hope that there could be this spontaneous miracle because I know Anita Morjani's story. And we'll right. we'll put that in the summary of this episode, the links to those um, shows so you guys can listen. But I was holding out hope to the very end. And I remember DMing Anita that week and saying, Hey, uh, if anybody could have any kind of influence in this moment, I think if you could send a little prayer up there and just remind them that I am full-on ready for this miracle. She's like, of right. course, I, I would love to do this for your mom. And so, um, you know, it was my mom's, it was the end of her journey. But I, I waited to the very end. And I was like, okay, so this is what her soul was supposed to do. This is how it was supposed to end. And I don't think that I had any harder of a time because I held both lanes. I think it actually made the journey better more mm-hmm. peaceful, less fearful. And on the other side, it also helped too. So um, well, I well, was yeah, worried I, that I maybe think, it could be the other way, yeah, but it didn't. No,
2: I mean, it's so important to remember that A Course in Miracles describes a miracle as a shift in your perspective, a shift in your perception that you got the miracle and your mom mm-hmm. got the miracle that I remember sitting in an audience with Anita Borjani, when somebody stood up and said that their parent, was dying of um, stage four breast cancer and that they never believed that their mom was actually going to die because the mom was so optimistic and read all the Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and that ultimately in the end, the, the mother did pass away. And she said, how could my mom, who she, this woman asked Anita, how could my mom who fought so hard, how could she have not gotten the miracle? And Anita said to her, Your mom didn't lose the battle. She gained the freedom. She got the miracle. She got the miracle. And that is why you are here talking about her, looking to connect with her, and looking to understand how this could happen. But it's exactly what you said. And Sage has said this so many times that, like in the Tao Te Ching, there's no such thing as opposites, they're just different points on the same continuum. Yeah. And yeah. hope yeah. and acceptance are necessary for one another. And having hope does not mean
1: that you are not understanding mm-hmm. that this is the potential. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of the the saying, I am realistic, I expect miracles. You can be both, <laughs> you know, I love it's, that. it's, you know, it's, it's a double play on words. Cause it's, you're yeah. being realistic and expecting miracles. So you can be having both, but that miracles are realistic also. But I think yeah. it's like, Serena, it was, that's exactly what I was thinking was that, you know, in, in Western society, we think of opposites as opposites, but in Eastern teachings, um, they're, they're necessary components of each other. You can't have one without the other. You can't experience Polari. Yeah. You can't experience, yeah. you know, just with dark and light, if you haven't, if there is no darkness, you would have no concept of light either. Cause mm-hmm. it would just be what it is. And um, to, so to have this expectation of miracles while also being realistic and making preparations, I think that they're both very important. You don't want to live. Everybody does come to their day where they leave yeah. and we should embrace that as we've been talking about yeah. this whole time, and that's but we should also, but life is valuable and life is important and we should also value it. And um, if it, you know, and, and add love to it and enrich it while, when we can and while we can. And it sounds like you did that so incredibly for your mom. I mean, I'm honored to talk to you about it because I've never been in a caretaking position like that. I have small children, but it's a different type of caretaking than to care for your mother. Um, and I just think that's really, really powerful and incredible Thanks. what you did. Yeah, for her.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I had to have conversations with her doctor, doctor and her hospice nurse and a couple of times where I'm like, I don't want you to think that I'm some delusional daughter that's just wanting to keep her mommy alive at right. any cost. I said, I'm going to make sure that my mom has the most peaceful experience, whatever the experience ends up being. I'm not going to let her have swollen feet and just morph her out. I'm not going to let her have, um, an infection. I'm not going to let her just no. I'm going to fix everything that is within my possibilities of fixing And I'm going to wait for whatever the instructions are. And however this is going to unfold, I'm going to unfold with it. I'm not going to allow you to now influence her journey because I kept saying, just let her die, just let her die. And I'm like, that is not my choice. And it's certainly not your choice. That's God's choice and it's her choice. And so I'm here to facilitate
2: this experience for her. And so, yeah. And because you did that your mom was able to get a message to a medium to get you to talk to her that quickly <laughs> right. because the shift in your perspective had already taken place. Yeah. You had already understood that she was still going to be here. And of course yeah. you were going to be sad, but you were still understanding that her soul would continue. Yeah. And she let you know that she is, is doing exactly that and that she has been continuing. And that's because you were so open to it. Super and open because you were so of, of service
0: well, and because it's funny, even just in them. this chat with you girls, I'm realizing that that five-year journey, there was a moment when I was sitting by her bedside, I'm like, am I throwing my whole career away and my life away? And then download came super fast and it goes, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And I was like, okay. And so I realize even more so in this moment that I really was supposed to go through every every nitty gritty moment of that journey with her because now I see what people need and the help that they need in different areas. I had a woman who was in my house the other day for a meeting. She goes, you know, you're an end of life coach. And I started laughing. I go, wait what?" And, and so there's, there's a lot of knowledge to share with people to help other people in their journey. Like, you know, I've, I've done it with family where I'm like, Hey, this is how we should set the room. This is, you know, what you guys, you know, should start considering. And there's all these things. So I think we kind of all yeah. have our our purposes now that they showed us that their journey, you know, from my mom to get this, you know, disease and all of that, it was for me to realize certain things that the psychic told me that day. She told me that I'm super psychic. And I was like, yeah, I kind of really just been scared of all of that. Okay. And she's <laughs> like, I'm gonna help you lean into that. And she's like, and you're a healer. And I was like, yeah, that's also super awkward to admit about yourself. But yeah, I've kind of done a lot of that quietly on the sly. And I did a lot of it with my mom. And I think she was showing me through her journey that I have those abilities that I should probably lean into, which is something that I'm starting to embrace a little bit more. And your dad was showing you, first of all, the story about the August 30th. I think you missed one of the other points of this. So your dad... Dying on August 30th, yes, he showed you guys you can have another relationship. It was all about forgiveness and love, which is what your dad's teachings are all about.
1: That was when forgiveness and
0: love were born for your dad. Yeah. That was his message throughout his life. And he was sharing with you that that's how he went out. Right. And that's the message he wants you to continue to share with people is forgiveness and love. That's what I felt instantly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no,
1: I, yeah, I hear that too, for sure. I mean, his life culminated on that day in his life that was all about forgiveness and love and it changed his whole life. And for us to embrace that.
2: Right. We would not be here. He didn't get our mom until after that. So we might not, but, have also, even
1: but also we wouldn't be here having this conversation had he not left on August 30th, because it has launched, I'll just speak for myself. It has launched me into a, well, I need to know everything I can know about dying and death and, um, and embracing it while I'm alive. And, um, and it ironically also, cause you said you had that moment where you, uh, like, am I throwing away my career by taking care of my mother? I had a similar, well, not a similar moment, but a moment like that. Also, when I found out I was pregnant for the first time, I, we weren't necessarily trying to get pregnant. I knew what I was doing. I knew what could happen. I'm an adult, but I wasn't trying to get pregnant and I wound up pregnant. And, um, obviously that's a miracle. And I, I felt like I needed to be really happy about it. Um, and I recognize how lucky I
0: <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today.
1: Minus the sweet chili. It was to be pregnant easily and quickly and all of that, but I didn't feel that way. I felt terrified and I just kept thinking like, well, I'll never have a career. I just need to kiss that part of my life goodbye. And um and then I thought, well, cause Serena and I had already written a lot of this book, but we had we had stopped at a certain point. We lost our, you know, our inspiration and we just life kind of got in the way. When I found out I was pregnant, that line of thinking of like, well, I'll never have a career led me to getting in touch with our literary agent because I thought, okay, I have eight months until I literally cannot ever have a career again. So I better get this (laughs) book out there because I'm really proud of what we put together. And that's what launched us into getting the book out. And obviously, it turns out none of that was true, but I didn't I couldn't know that until I had my son. And here I am now. And I just find that I can find purpose in being a mother and also find purpose in doing, you know, writing our book and promoting our book and doing these awesome conversations that we get to do. And then my purpose doesn't have to have one look uh, or, you know, I'm not just going to find my purpose in my twenties or my thirties or my Mm -hmm. forties. And then that's it. Like there's a purpose at every stage of your life. And I look at my little, my, my two-year-old and I think this is his purpose right now. You know, a lot of people tend to think childhood is preparation for adulthood, but I think childhood is childhood. It's, there's a massive, massive purpose in his life. And I think our purpose is going to change and take on all different meanings throughout our life. And I feel relieved having, cause I feel that there's so much pressure in life to find your purpose. And when I found out I was pregnant, I thought, well, I didn't find my purpose. So I guess my only purpose now can be a mother can be to be a mother and, um, learning and recognizing that I can have my purpose can look different ways I can wear different hats and I can find purpose in everything I do every day was a, a freeing moment for me um
2: yeah and sometimes life gives us these detours that we think that like you know when you get like the breakup or you get fired from the job or you get you know something happens in your life and you think like oh no it's over and then a year later you know you're it's like really just so beginning <laughs> right and you're thinking like thank god that guy broke up with me because if he hadn't mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. never have gotten to be here and meet this person and or whatever it is. I thank God I didn't get that job that I thought I needed and thought it was gonna be the best job for me because now look where I am. I think that I when I said earlier that Mason was one of my greatest teachers, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Thank God I got to have that time with him, even though it was beyond painful to lose him um, at 19. Thank God. I had that time because if I had to do it again, I would in a heartbeat, even if it meant I would have him for one day because love and forgiveness and learning self-love and self-forgiveness have changed the trajectory of my life in a way that I never would have thought possible. And I would not have written this book. Um, I don't think I would have written it had he not passed because having these spiritual lessons and understandings when I had never felt bad about myself (laughs) really um, was one thing, but when I really struggled with who I was and what I was responsible for bringing into this world and and the fact that I was responsible for the energy I bring to the relationships and that You know, how I treat people is up to me. It's got nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you squeeze the orange, we say it all the time, you've got the lemons behind you. When you squeeze the lemon, Mm -hmm. what comes out? It's going to be the lemon juice because that's all that it has to give away. Mm -hmm. And when life squeezes you, what does life get out of you? Yeah. Does it get out love?
0: Yeah. Your dad said that. I remember one morning listening to that. Yeah. Yes, he did and the orange, that's
2: but... yeah. He did the orange. I'm doing the lemons because you got lemons. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but It's just I never would have understood that. I had never been squeezed before. Even when I lost my dad, it was tragic and sad. But I didn't have regret. I didn't feel guilty.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't feel ashamed. It wasn't until I went through so many other experiences, and you know, there, there's so many others. My husband's trial, and ha- having three babies back to back, and then having to lose like 50 pounds, and feeling uncomfortable in my appearance for the first time. So many things that I was suddenly challenged with all at once. And I kept finding myself understanding really for the first time ever that I had to find the value in my life and in myself, regardless of my circumstances. I had to find Tahiti in here Hmm. before I could find myself on Tahiti. And I just (laughs) didn't understand that until I lived it. And now that I've lived it, I am, um, I'm so grateful for all of those storms. Truly, I am grateful for every single one mm-hmm. of them because every single one of them was a rung on the ladder yeah. that God placed before each of us when we're born that I had to climb myself to get out of, to get closer to God, closer to my dad, closer to Mason, closer to my highest self, closer to love. And, um, I wouldn't change any of it. And and I really wouldn't because it, it's not up to me. It's not my soul that left. Yeah, It's somebody else's. And it's not up to me to decide that they should have come back or shouldn't have left at the time they did. Their soul, I really believe, agreed to that arrival day and that departure day. Mm -hmm. It's not for me to judge or to change or to wish I could change, but it's for me to find the love and the meaning, even in the midst of the pain or the suffering of it. And if you can do that, I think that's how you become transformed. Yeah.
0: I love that. I also love how honest you were at the beginning of this conversation about your relationship with Mason, the descriptiveness of the guilt, you know, the words of, I was mean, because I think we're all so scared to show that side of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to actually send you guys, I did like a little 19 minute kind of doc on my parents and I and our journey. And, and in there, I was like, I put this thing in there and I'm like, should I put this part in there? but I'm like, but then people will feel like they can maybe have that same conversation. So it was my conversation with my mom where I apologized to her and I was like, I'm sorry for Hmm. being short, for being mean, whatever. Like those are hard things to admit. Right. Right. Um, so I really love that. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I would absolutely love to see that. And I think that the, the truth is, is that, um, you know, especially in a society where we spend so much of our time and energy on social media, which is all based on appearance and mm-hmm. the outward appearance and how other people perceive us. I think it's really easy to want to put out an image that's perfect, but yes. it's so inauthentic that nobody falls for it anyway. Yeah. There's nobody that hasn't been mean. Yeah. And if you have a stepson or a stepdaughter that's a teenager <laughs> and you're 13 years older than them, yep. there's a really good chance you were an asshole a lot. And I was, and, and I, I, Mason, Mason loves me regardless. Yeah. And, and that is where I can now feel free.
0: I think that was something else I did in the journey, too, is I would post on social because I'm like, I don't want any of you to think that I'm this, like, perfect caretaker, that everything is, like, I'm this amazing, like, whatever. I'm like, you need to know that it sucks sometimes. You need to know that I'm short, that I'm having a hard time, that I'm, like, mad at her for not getting up and moving and and fighting right. harder. And, you know, I, I tried as much as I could to continue to give people hope and inspiration but also to give them the realities because it's true it really is easy. And I see a lot of people doing it with like relationships and stuff. It's always like, look at how in love and how happy everybody is. And then it makes you feel like you don't have the right thing or you're not the right kind of caretaker or you're not the right kind of daughter. And so being honest about these things is important. Um, I will say, um, I, I have to probably, we probably got to end this now because we've gone um, very long. We're going to do a two parter on this. um, I would love to have you guys back, obviously, many times, but I really wanted to do an episode where I wanted to chat with you guys about how your parents parented you and how it's affecting your parenting. Because I remember just being like jaw dropped when it really sounded like they led with love and not law. And I'm like, how do you do that with kids? You're supposed to tell them, no, you're not supposed to do that and that was like fascinating to me. And I told everybody we would get into it in this episode. And obviously we didn't. So I think we need to do like a parenting episode. And I think. Sure. Um, we would love
2: it because we're actually yeah. going to be reading our next book about that. Well, there you yeah. go. Perfect. Now that we haven't even, we haven't even begun the outline yet, but we both have thought, we've talked we've, about right. it. Well, this will help you with your
0: outline because you'll get yeah, to see so my well, curiosity well, and then I you'll do your outline. chapters on <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah um,
2: no, it will. You pointed out things that I didn't even put together. So I think that your questions might actually become our outline. No, I'm serious because how, yeah. <laughs> How, how like how do you lead with just
0: love all the time and let them have free will? Because y- your job is to protect and be fearful for all the things they could do wrong. So we yeah. will have this conversation. Yeah. Our dad,
1: non yeah, here we'll just start guide, there. <laughs> guide
2: and step aside, guide and step aside.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to talk all about that. And then I also <laughs> want to talk to you, Sage, about how you healed yourself of your bumps because yeah. I have been using... Um, similar uh, tactics for my tumor and and I've I've been talking to it like you talk to your bumps and we'll get into that but if you yeah. don't want to wait until that conversation you guys <laughs> got to get the book The Knowing 11 Lessons to Understand the Quiet Urges of Your Soul we will link to it in the summary of this episode we'll put the COVID doc in the link to the summary and maybe you can email connect us all but um, get the book you guys and if you know somebody who's just lost someone share it with them Send it to them via Amazon. Boom. Nice and easy. It's a really, um, a really beautiful uh, journey that um, will help whoever is going through these kind of uh, experiences. And you guys are amazing. Um, and, and thank you.